Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The channel, the late, great Denny Green. The Cardinals are who we thought they were. And they let the Rams off the hook. And that benefits the Buccaneers. So we're going to get into lots of playoff questions. I think we have a couple of them, uh, Steve Bursting, for this mailbag segment. But uh, what happened Monday night with the Cardinals losing to the Rams benefited the Bucks. The Cardinals fell from the top seed in the NFC playoff picture to number three. So now taking over the number one spot, is the Green Bay Packers, the Bucks are number two, and now the Cardinals are number three. So big benefit there for, for the Bucks. They don't want the Rams to win the division because <laughs> they've lost to the Rams, and, and that might mean a, a trip mm-hmm. out west at some point in the playoffs. But, yeah, uh, good night for Tampa Bay. How about did you see that uh, the Cardinals recovered an onside kick late last night? It was the fourth I onside did. kick recovered this weekend. And before that, Crazy. there had been four all season. Yeah, crazy. In fact, we were watching a game. I'm trying to think of which one it was. Um, it was on Sunday, and it was late. Somebody recovered an onside kick that was trying to come back. And and that team, whichever team it was, and I can't remember. I wish I could. But that team had gone 20 years, 20 years without recovering an onside kick to go. And then inevitably, right, well, this team hasn't recovered one since 2001. Or was whatever. that the Bears, maybe? The, no, it wasn't the Bears. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was the Bears. No, I think I'm trying to remember. I remember one. seeing that too, but I don't remember who it was now. It was late. It was late. It was the afternoon game. It was uh, I think it was right before the Bucks started. Anyway, okay. um, yeah, it's really an anomaly. You'd have that many onside kicks recovered. I mean, it's just extremely rare. Yeah, it is, particularly with the way they do the rules now and everything. It's it's uh, but yeah, yeah, four in a week when there have been four all season before that. So kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. So, anyway, the playoff picture is starting to, starting to shape up, and uh, boy, oh boy, I do not want to get my thermals on to go to Green Bay. <laughs> well, we'll start with that because William had asked a question. If both the Packers and the Bucks went out, who gets the number one seed? Yeah, number one seed belongs to the Packers, um, and that's that's pretty much what they have to do. If, if they if they went out, and the Bucks went out, um, the Packers will maintain that, and that's. You know that's that's the downside sort of to what happened, um, but it definitely improved the Bucks playoff situation. I mean the Bucks, you know, they right now they would play the Washington football team. If, you know, if the playoffs started today, which they don't, of course, um, but they would also have a chance to uh, host uh, as many as two playoff games. They haven't done that since 1979. Um, so you could get a twofer. You could get two playoff games if the Bucks were able to win the first one. Uh, but the championship. You know, as long as the Packers win, uh, and they've, their remaining games are against the Ravens, um, they're at Baltimore, and of course Lamar Jackson is hurt. He's coming off an ankle injury; he might play. Then they host the Browns, who are in you know in that division race themselves. Um, so the Browns have a heck of a lot to play for, but that game is at Lambeau. Then they host the Vikings. The Vikings are are still uh, have a wild card potential. Uh, that might be their their last. Uh, tough opponent because they finished the season at Detroit. 
which is a joke. So, um, yeah, I think I think the Packers are are in really good shape. The thing that's not in good shape is Aaron Rodgers' toe. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know. He said he said that that thing um, actually got worse when he played on Sunday. He played great, um, but surgery right now is the last option, so he's he's not going to do that for the time being. But it doesn't mean that it won't give him more trouble as we go forward, and we'll just have to see what happens there. And Green Bay has the number one seed because of the uh, best win percentage in the conference. Correct. Which, which yeah, means – which. It's important for the Bucks to win their last four games because the Packers would have to lose a conference game to force the next tiebreaker, which means you've got to lose to Minnesota or Detroit. Right. We're expecting yeah, if it, they lose, it's going to be more likely Baltimore or Cleveland, which is an AFC team. Yeah, that doesn't help. Yeah. So it, well, it helps. It helps if, as long as I mean, it would help well, obviously if the Bucks went out. I'm saying, but if the Bucks were to lose a game. Yes. Then yes. Green Bay would still hold the tiebreaker. Green if they Bay both would maintain one, it. Unless it's Minnesota or Detroit that they lose to, then I don't know what the second tiebreaker is. But Right, and that's, that's assuming that the Cardinals lose another game too. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. obviously the Cardinals would have a better record if they went out. Um, and they, we'll talk about their schedule too. I mean, they, they have a difficult situation. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tiebreakers and things that, that are wrapped up into this. Um, you know, I was just I was writing about it. You can check it out on TampaBay.com and in Tampa Bay Times today. Um, but you know, right now the Bucks have a higher seed than the Cardinals, and this is what it comes down to first because of strength of victory. Okay, think about this. So the ten teams the Bucks have beaten are a combined sixty four and sixty six. While the Cardinals ten wins have come against teams that are fifty eight and seventy two. That's what's separating the Bucks and Cardinals mm-hmm. right now. Is is the records of the teams they've beaten? Um, so as long as the Bucks went out, they can't fall any lower than the number two seed. And then one stumble by the Packers, of course, would give them the number one seed. Um, but I think the Packers are in really good shape. I hate to say that. I I don't know that they're going. to I mean, it's possible. Obviously, this is the NFL, um, and and two of their teams that they're playing are AFC teams uh, are the are the better teams um, are both in in the hunt for that same division, um, but. You know, I don't have a lot of confidence in Baltimore right now, especially without possibly Lamar Jackson. Um, but that loss by Arizona to the Rams cost them. I just, I think it's revealing. I don't think the Cardinals, you know, that was a home loss. I, I don't think the Cardinals are in the same class. And and I, I like Kyler Murray. I think he's a hell of a player. Um, he's dangerous in so many ways. But... Is he better than Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Tom Brady in the postseason? I, I don't think so. And and I never thought that if you had to go to Arizona and win, um, you know, an NFC championship game, you had to win one game there. I I I never thought that was going to be that huge. I think going to Green Bay, you just add all kinds of factors. I mean, start with the weather. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just it, – it can be it, – it is a coin toss. I, I still can't believe the balmy day they had a year ago in the NFC Championship. It snowed like four inches the night before, but the field was clear. It was about 33, 34 degrees at the kickoff. Um, of course, limited fans. It wasn't Lambeau like, like we're used to it. All that would change, right? Every bit of that would be different. Going to Glendale, Arizona and playing in a dome with Cardinal fans, sure, it would be loud, um, but not – you know, you take the weather out of it completely. Um, grass surface on top of that because they, 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 you know, pull that out and put it back in. Uh, it's not artificial turf. I mean, there's so so many benefits if you had to go on the road to Arizona. 
But that's out the window, I think, at this point. And, you know, the Bucks have to hope that uh, somebody takes care of business with Green Bay um, and that they, you know, win the rest of their games. But it's still a month to go. I mean, this is the thing with a 17-game schedule. Everybody said, you know, well, what, what's one more game? Well, we're going to find out. One more game might mean that Aaron Rodgers can't play. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a bad toe now. Uh, maybe that 17th game gets him, you know. We just don't know. And, and for that matter, you know, Tom Brady's got to stay healthy. And he, he took a beating the other day. Um, I was talking to one of the coaches. They said he's very sore uh, because of all the all the contact. In fact, I think Brady said on his podcast that his running days are over. <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, I won't be doing that unless I have to. You know, that, 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 is not, uh, that is not something he plans on incorporating in his game anymore because he uh, he paid the price for a couple of those runs. So, um, well, he's, 40, yeah, he's 44. He should be sore just getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I did, yeah. That's the way most of us felt at 44. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a warrior that way. Um, what else, what else did I find out in this thing? Yeah. The Bucks can win the division, of course, by beating the saints. Uh, like I said, if they win their four remaining games, they're sure the number two seed, at least, at least two home playoff games. Uh, the Bucks. uh, would maintain that advantage over the Cardinals if the Cardinals run the table because of common opponents. The Bucks would be 5-1 against teams Arizona play, also played, and the Cardinals could not finish higher than 4-2. and two. Um, But like I said, right now it's strength of victory. Uh, the Packers, just going through the list here, um, I gave you the remaining opponents. Yeah, I... Yeah, well, theirs think, is the conference where their conference record's going to be better. Theirs is the, most, it is the conference. Yeah, they yeah they have the best conference record, obviously in in um, in the NFC. Uh, you know, the, I mean, the Bucks they won five in a row. I mean, it, they, they'll have to run the table. That that would be nine straight wins. They won eight straight a year ago, but that included the Super Bowl because they got their their run started uh, much much later. So, yeah, um, I. I hate to say it. I think I think this is the way it's going to finish, but got a month to go, so a lot of things can happen. Well, Yasser had emailed us and said, with the Bucks' chances of winning the division all but guaranteed and the remote likelihood of getting a number one seed in the NFC, should the Bucks consider a rotational plan for resting players over the remainder of the season? Being the oldest team in the league, playing four extra games last season and a 17-game schedule this season, if the Bucks are not going to have the home field advantage, they might as well look to get fresh legs for an advantage in the playoffs. You know, we've talked to Bruce Arians about this uh, very subject because of the extra game, um, because they have the oldest roster in the league. And what he told us is, uh, no. <laughs> what he said is, I'm not, I'm not worried about the games. Like, we're going to play all these guys in the games. What I will do is, during the week, give them their legs back. You know, give them time, um, you know, when you normally go out there and practice two hours on Wednesday and Thursday and some on Friday – let these veteran players rest. Um, you know, they can't even be in pads at this point forward. So basically, um, you know, a lot of these guys have been taking days off. Even Brady takes one day off. I think you'll see more of that. I think you'll see more walkthrough type practices. These are pretty cerebral guys. They know how to prepare their bodies. I Meaning Dominican Sue, for example, has never missed a game due to injury, which is just remarkable, right? He has his own routine and the bucks don't get in the way of it. You know, and that includes a day off and maybe two at this point in the, in, in the season. So, um, you know, the resting thing, you can get in trouble. Like even if you lock up your seed, let's say you get to that last week and you go, you know what, we can't be any better than a number two in the NFC. 
we've locked that up. We can't go up. We can't go down. Doesn't matter what happens in this final game against Carolina. Let's just sit everybody. Uh, okay. Um, you can do that, but I've, I've seen Tony Dungy do that. And then when they got in the playoffs, they didn't look very good. You know, they seem to have lost a little bit of momentum. So the rest versus rust question is, is always a tough one, you know? Um, but now I will say this, get a lead in those games, you know, get up on an opponent by two scores, three scores at any point, you should start taking some guys out, um, starting with your quarterback. And I think that's that's more the plan would be, you know, you're going to play the Jets. Okay, let's tune these guys. Of course, you know, we saw last week they had a 24-3 to lead and couldn't hold it. But let's let's jump out in front of the New York Jets by two or three scores. They're not coming back on us. They just don't have the firepower. We can, we can you know, put Kevin Minter at linebacker and pull Levante David, and we'd still beat these guys. Um, so to me, that that's more likely uh, the approach. But I don't see them, you know, I don't, I don't see them just sending guys. I mean, I guess it's possible, right? If they can't, if they get to that final game against Carolina, it just doesn't matter whether they win or lose. They're in the same spot. Maybe they, maybe they say, you know, Tom Brady's not playing because Tom Brady doesn't need to play. Um, but I, I still don't think that that's right now. At least we've asked Bruce, and that's that's not his inclination. That's not what he plans on doing. All right, Narendra had uh, tweeted us. This offseason, you said you wouldn't be shocked if Tom Brady gets a statue if he wins an MVP this year. Is the statue a lock? I mean, I think he's going to win the MVP. I, I don't uh, – the statue I'd have to consult uh, the Glazers about. The The plan was, Jason Light told me, that when um, he he hired Bruce Arians, he told Bruce – my goal is for you to have a statue outside of Raymond James, which would mean winning a Super Bowl or two. He won one. If he won two, I could see B.A. out there. I could see Brady out there. Hell, I could see Gronk out there. I mean, you know, uh, they're not a statue franchise. They're, they're the, they they, they kind of cling to the ring of honor uh, portion of things. Um, I guess if they did a statue, they might do one of Malcolm Glazer, who actually owns the franchise. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, look, these guys, if you look at Tom Brady's, like Tom Brady is already at the point where he's going to be like the third or fourth most winningest quarterback in franchise history after two years. I mean, it's stupid, right? It's like, um, you know, the, the records he's setting, the passing records, he's going to be you know, the top and one and two, you know, passing guy, uh, uh, certainly touchdowns, um, yards, all that stuff. I mean, so – Put a couple of Lombardi trophies. I mean, you got to do something, right? I mean, you commemorate the fact that he was here. Peyton Manning's in the Ring of Honor, of course, in Denver, and he brought a Super Bowl to them. Went to a couple. So yeah, I mean, I don't think a I don't think a, I don't think a statue's out of the question. It'd be weird for New England fans to come down and see Tom Brady sitting outside of, you know, Raymond James. I wonder if he'd be wearing a uniform or maybe just like the flip flops and you know. Go all Gronk shirtless style. That might be the way to go. <laughs> I don't know. Tampa. Tampa Tom. Oh, you know what it would be? He'd be a TV it'd 12 be Tom Brady on, right? leaning. Yeah, well, it would be Tom Brady. This is the way I would do it. Tom Brady in that orange shirt, hat on backwards, leaning against Ryan Griffin as he staggers off the boat <laughs> with a Lombardi trophy in his hands it, and tossing gonna... it to Cam Brady or something. I was going to say, it's not going to be the, the, the statue of, you know, they got the – one buck place now. They've got the 
statue of Gruden with the fist pump and all the players. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not going to yeah. be Brady tossing the Lombardi yeah, trophy. That would, that's going to be the, yes. The, the, that's it. That's it. You, you you put a boat out there. You have a boat, and you got you got two boats, and you got you got uh, you got Tampa Tom tossing, and the and the trophy suspended somehow by some cable that we can't see somewhere, and he's tossing the Lombardi across the Cameron break. That is it. That is it. With Scotty Miller and all those guys in there. Oh yeah, Gronk's in, in Tom's boat. His little girl screaming. No, you know, it, it. I'd be phenomenal. You ever been to Citrus Park Mall? They have all those statues, you know, in the mall. It's just, it's, you know, they got one kid hitting the ball and all this stuff. Yeah, that'd be perfect. That really would be funny. You got BA over there somewhere in another boat, you know, watching. That's that's absolutely the perfect idea. And you know, it's so Tampa, right? It's like mm-hmm. boats, water. Yeah. I'm I'm for it. I'm going to suggest that on your behalf. Go ahead. I would love that. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. Greg had tweeted us. Why all the preoccupation with fans from opposing teams coming to Raymond James Stadium? It obviously hasn't impacted the Bucks as they were undefeated at home. The Buck fans who did show up made enough noise to help the team. Isn't that the point? Well, that's not the point I was trying to make. Um, that is the point that Bruce Arians raised, though. I gave him an opportunity to, to slam dunk the whole situation, and he decided he wasn't going to take on the fans. Probably smart of him uh, to do so. Look, the fans were loud when they needed to be loud. There were Tampa fans there. I'm not saying there weren't. Uh, I think they outnumbered the, the Buffalo Bill fans. What I'm saying is that, and 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 I've heard all the reasons, right? It's a little like the the Rays Stadium situation, right? You know, why can't why don't people go support the Rays? They're the winning in space. Well, the stadium. So I've heard all the the reasons. Like, well, Rick, um, it's Christmas time, and some people need some money. So they know there's a lot of Bills Mafia coming down. So this is the game they chose to stay home and, and make a little extra Christmas cash. Okay. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. I didn't tell you to buy the tickets in the first place. I sure as hell can't tell you not to sell them. Um, and then you hear, well, no one's from here. No one's from here. They're all from, you know, people from New York live here and they want to go see their Bills play. And, um, yeah, they root for the Bucks, but they're really not Bucks fans. They're, they're just, you know, they're transplants. Okay. Oh, I know that's true, but the team's been here for damn near 50 years, right? We're not talking about some franchise that just, you know, started up. I mean, yes, people move to Florida in droves every single day. Uh, I can tell you that when I get in the, on the highway um, and they're not stopping. And I'm, I'm a one percenter. I was born here. Okay. There's not many of me, but however, um, it's still the local football team. Right. The last time I checked and I know the Rays go through this when the Yankees play or the Red Sox come. You know, I know I know that's a thing. But there was a time and I lived it. I covered it when the Bucks uh, got into their glory years the first time under Tony Dungy and then you know, eventually John Gruden winning a Super Bowl. That stadium was red. OK. Um, prior to that, you would see when Green Bay came down, they would take over the stadium. The Bears, when they were good, would take over the stadium when the Bucks got good. The organization did a couple things. One thing they did, because they didn't sell it out with season passes, they had single-game tickets, but they wouldn't allow people outside of the 813 area code to buy them online. Um, so, you know, they, they, they tried to limit it that way. What has happened, I think, is that, you know, when, when Tom Brady got here and everybody kind of knew that these, these tickets were going to become like currency, um, they do what I think a lot of Bucks fans do, which is, Hey, I can pay for my season ticket, right? 
if I sell my two to or four tickets to you know the Bills Bills Mafia, the Bills game is a coveted ticket. It's a premium price on a secondary market. You know what's going to pay for my entire season? Uh, or the Dallas Cowboys. You know the Cowboys travel well, right? So these these fan bases like Green Bay, like Dallas, um, like the Bills. Those are opportunities, whether you're an investment guy and that's why you bought the tickets or you're just a family saying, you know what, um, this would pay for our whole year if we just stay home from this game. I think that's what happens because I, I, I look at the lower bowl is where most of those Bills fans were. And you got to assume that the people who normally sit you know, and are paying that freight to sit that low to the, to the stadium are Bucks fans, okay, um, for the most part, I would think. And those are the ones that are being sold. And I know, and the other thing is, well, when you know, when you sell these things, you don't know who you're selling them to. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You know, I mean, are there some Bucks fans that wanted to go to see the Bills play, play that game against the Bills? Sure. But predominantly, you know that that fan base is, is trolling for, you know, for tickets, uh, whether it's people that live here or people that are coming down here. I'm just saying, like, as a, as a, as a football I mean, you just look at it from a football player's or a coach's perspective, right? You have won the Super Bowl. You are defending Super Bowl champions. You have Tom freaking Brady as your quarterback, right? And you can't keep your fans in the stadium. You're, you're getting you're getting forty percent Bills fans on a on a on a big game like that. That's kind of disheartening, I would think. You know, and you wouldn't see that in Kansas City. Well, no one wants to go to Kansas City. It's not a, it's not a destination. All right, okay, fine. You wouldn't see that in Green Bay. Same thing. It's called who's going to go freeze up in Green Bay. I get it. I'm just saying there are better fan bases that, you know, would would think would not even think under any circumstances of parting with a ticket to see the greatest quarterback of all time and the defending Super Bowl champs play an AFC uh, you know, championship team the, or, or you know, team that was in the AFC playoffs last year. I, I just don't think it would happen many places. Arizona? I don't know. I, I kind of turn on that Arizona game. Now, L.A. is not that far. I'm sure there were plenty of Rams fans because that's a transplanted area too. Sure looked like mostly Cardinal fans to me. I could be wrong. Um, but, man, I'm, I was at the stadium on Sunday. That place was blue. It was blue. And last time I checked, there's no blue in, in the, in the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers colors. So... You know, deal with it. I, I I know there's people that feel that I do. It's just it's it's sort of embarrassing. Well, I I, I, I will know. say the one thing, and and granted, I'm, I'm maybe speculating here, but Bucks fans for the first time in 14 years are going to have to buy playoff tickets. That's how <laughs> a lot of them for that. Well, but, but a lot of may have said, you know what? Let me sell this game that pays I for my it. playoff tickets because yeah, it, it could be two or even three playoff home games, which could this market be. hasn't seen in 14 years. Could be, and what you're saying is nobody makes any money down here. What you're saying is that you, you know, yeah, it's a good, it's a sound financial decision, but why, if you can't afford the tickets, why'd you buy them in the well, first place? I, I'm like I said, I'm, I don't know that's what fans thought. No, I think but you're it, right. It's, it's I one, think you're right. It's one way to go. Hey, look, we're going to win the division. We're going to host at least yeah, one I want to go to playoff game. If they win out, they're going to host at least two, if, assuming they win the first one. Right. You know, let I'll I'll sacrifice this game pay for my yeah. playoff tickets, and then I don't have to spend any more money. I don't know if that's what fans thought. I'm sure there are some that did that. Yeah. Well, they're damn lucky, I, mean, uh, I we, guess. We see I that see. with lightning tickets. We'll see season ticket holders mm-hmm. you know, sell four, five, or six games a year and pay for their whole season tickets. Yeah. 
No, I've seen a lot of Red Wing fans in, in, in Emily. I think it's a Tampa thing. I will say this. They play a lot of hockey games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's 41. They only games. play they only play 8. Okay, in in, in Raymond James. Mm-hmm. Um when when they flip the schedule next year it'll be 9, but they play 8 games. Okay. Forget preseason. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even really register. I don't care what you do with the preseason tickets. But it's just I don't know. Like if I'm a player, you know, I I guarantee you it was a new experience for Tom Brady to run out onto a field and see that many he probably thought he was in Buffalo. You know, Brady didn't see that much blue in New England, and they wore blue. Um, you know, it, it, it just – I'm telling you, it's got to be a shock to some of these guys like Gronkowski and others that have, you know, played in places that it's hard to get a ticket if you're not a Patriot. And if you do go to the games, imagine – I mean, when when the Bucks play Philly in a playoff game, you're taking your life in your hands if you wear a Bucks jersey in that place. Uh, and that's – that's that's sad. It shouldn't be that way. But I'm just telling you, man, it, it, you're not welcome there. So uh, home field advantage. You talk about home field advantage, right? We're talking about the playoffs. Let's see what happens. But how much of a home field advantage is it if half the stadium, when you're on offense, is standing up and cheering and making noise and you can't communicate? Is that a home field advantage? They played really well at home, and I think at times it has been mostly Bucks fans because not every fan base travels. But I don't know, man. You know, it was that's my it's not my obsession. I like I said, it's just it's an observation, and I've seen it where the Bucks were winning, and that place did not have they they turned that they took care of that problem. You know, however it happened, Tampa Bay fans were dominant in in that stadium. All right, Jeff tweeted us: Is it me or do the Bucks not play well ahead or from ahead well? Is it also me that these wins against the Bills appear to cover up some major underlying issues for the Buccaneers? Well, I, they they have let some teams back into games. I would grant you that. Um, whether it's and they should be past this. It shouldn't be complacency. Um, you know, some teams make adjustments at halftime. I think I think you have to credit other coaching staffs. Um, you know, I I think that. Uh, I was talking to the Bucks players after the game, and they said, you know, they they were throwing the ball out of some run formations. They were doing some things a little different in the second half. I mean, and Josh, the biggest thing you know about that game was Josh Allen just put him on his back. I mean, he is such a talented guy, and I don't know why, for the life of me, you want to run him on power sweeps. You know that that's the Cam Newton approach, which you know Cam Newton was never the thrower and, and had, had the accuracy and the arm strength of Josh Allen. It, it never made any sense. Um, and, you know, to me, you're, you're going to kill the guy. You know, you're, you're, you're going to knock the stuffing out of him. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think a quarterback's ever run for 100 and thrown for 300 against Tampa Bay. And that's what he did. So to me, he put he put the team on his back. It's only happened like four and, times in the NFL. Yeah, right. So he put the team on his back. Um, Brady missed some throws. I hope that his arm's okay. I hope that he's not beat up. But uh, he missed some throws he typically doesn't make. If they make one or, or two of those catches, they're going to run away with the game. They're going to get the separation again, even after it had gotten close. But there is, you know, there is no excuse for for blowing a twenty four to three lead when it's midway through the third quarter. I mean, you know, you're not talking about, um, you know, a first quarter lead. So, um, 
you know, they, they, they've got to own that. And we've seen them let teams, you know, they, they've, they've done it the other way where in Indianapolis they fell behind by a couple of scores because they played a terrible first half and then came out and, and they were the team that made the adjustment and won the game. So you had the Colts sitting there wondering, well, how do we blow this? You know, well, I think, I think the Bucks started playing better. They didn't turn the ball over. You know, I mean, that's the key, right? And, and I still have yet to see them. I mean, maybe against uh, – Chicago, who isn't a very good football team, was a complete game where the defense and the offense both played well. We still really haven't seen many or any of those games where they they put 60 minutes up there and said, you know, we're going to play well on offense, not turn the ball over, we're going to play defense for 60 minutes. So I think it's, you know, I think you're seeing that around the league, though. I mean, uh, you know, even look, NFL games are close. You you know what? Dallas had a huge lead, let Washington come back. Yeah, um, Chicago was leading Green Bay in Green Bay at the half. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're not yeah. seeing that. But the one thing about the Bucks that I don't, I don't want to say concerns me. The Bucks have a reputation, and, and it's it's been earned the last few years of being very stout against the run, mm-hmm. and teams almost go away from the run. Yeah, but then later in games they go back to it and they start gashing the Bucks. We saw Jonathan yeah. Taylor I, do it. We saw the Bucks. Yeah, now mm-hmm. part of it is. Maybe you're expecting pass because they're behind, and so they're playing covered too. They're not they're yeah. playing. I was going to say they're playing seven man fronts, and teams are just decided we're going to run the ball. And 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 to the Bucks' defense, in that mm-hmm. case, you kind of want them to eat up the clock that way. You know, mm-hmm. if you throw it every down, an incomplete pass doesn't use any time at all, and gives you more time to you know to come back if you're down a couple scores. Mm-hmm. So you almost kind of invite the run, but it's not an excuse. I mean, you still have to stop them. But that's what teams have done. You're exactly mm-hmm. right, and I think they did it. Um, and they were in they were in that cover two shell, and they were playing zone. They're playing off the receivers. They weren't playing press man. And so there's lots of ways to to run in those situations, and that's what Taylor did. And Taylor, and we saw you know Buffalo with Josh Allen running, and you know yeah. it's, it's like I said, it's not concerning because I also understand the situation. Yeah, but not like they're getting five six yards. They're getting big chunks. Chunks, yeah, you know, yeah, and you that's I mean, that. you know, I mean, you, you go out five six yards and you're eating clock, fine. But when you're allowing fifteen, right. yeah, no, you runs, can't do that. I mean, that that's where you start yeah. going. Well, they're not eating that much clock to move the, the ball. No, and it, they they've had some bad run fits and gotten mm-hmm. out of gaps, and 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 we know about the secondary. You know, I think who they're missing in those situations, and and I I don't think this guy got enough credit. But Jordan Whitehead mm-hmm. is one of the best run defenders on the team, on the team, and he plays in the back end. But when he in a run situation when they're playing run or even when they're not, that guy comes downhill so fast um, and fills gaps like you can't believe. And I think that, you know, of all the players that they've had, and they've had a lot of them, obviously Carlton Davis being the biggest one, right? He's he's their best cover corner, and he's already made a huge difference in just the last two games that he's come back. But you've also seen the the absence of Jordan Whitehead. I start. I think they're really feeling that. I really do, because especially in their run defense. We've seen some teams now, Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, ran the ball on them pretty well, of course, um, and then, and then you know, Josh Allen. But um, I think they miss Whitehead a lot, and, and they just don't have the physicality on the back end because, you know, some of those safeties are pretty small for the most part. Now you got Richard Sherman back there, and he weighs a buck fifty. So, you know, um, it's it, it's it's – up to the front seven to stop the run and and uh if they get to the second level or beyond you're going to get gashed and that's sort of what's happened 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Michael tweeted us. Do you think Urban Meyer will survive in Jacksonville? I do. Um, and maybe I'm in the minority here, but I, I, I think that Shot Khan is – I think he's in a tough position here because, one, this he had pursued Meyer. This was his guy, right? I mean, this is, this is who he, he wanted more than anyone. Um, and he got him. And now I think you got to let him grow into an NFL coach. You got to give him more than one year. Now, the calculus here that's difficult to know is: Are you going to kill Trevor Lawrence? You know, you could lose a franchise quarterback, and I think one of the better talents in the league even now. In a couple of years, if he continues to take beatings, and you know, there's there's just total chaos in the locker room, and no one will play for this guy, and the scheme is bad, and he, He's got a bad staff. That's that would be my 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 concern. Like, what is the what is the collateral damage on Trevor Lawrence if I keep Urban Meyer, or can Urban Meyer get this right? You know, he's made so many mistakes this year. It's not funny. What I will say is, you know, there's a reason why not many college coaches that have come to the NFL have had success. Um, there's obviously been a few, and there's been plenty of them go from the NFL to college and had success. I think Nick Saban, you know, if he gets Drew Brees, he's still coaching the Miami Dolphins, and he probably has three or four Super Bowls by now. Um, but he got Dante Culpepper, went to Alabama, and, you know, we know what he's done there. He can coach anywhere. Um, certain guys can do that. But coming where you've had a lot of success in college, I mean, Pete Carroll did it and went to Seattle, um, you know, but he was in the NFL before that. You know, he coached the Patriots, uh, had an NFL background as well. But for a guy like Urban Meyer, where you're so used to controlling everything, right, um, you can pick your players. You can go in the living rooms and say, I want you to come to here. You can't say to some guy, hey, I'd rather you play for us here in Jacksonville than the Bucks or the, or the Green Bay Packers. Like, that's free agency. That's what they call free agency, okay? And and that's determined mostly by money, okay? So that the, the whole, you know, the draft thing, it's out of their hands, You've got players making more money than you at, at times, right? Um, and the biggest thing is the coverage of the NFL. And, you know, college football, it's about the coaches, right? I mean, they're the story because the players change every four years. You know, you just run guys through there. Alabama is Alabama, okay? Ohio State's Ohio State. We can change. It can be C.J. Stroud this year or somebody else next year. It doesn't matter. We root, you know, the, you, it's the front of the jersey, right? Not the back. Those players change. But, you're, but the coaches you know, going as far back as you want to, Woody Hayes and, you know, you know all that, Bo Schembechler and all that. So now it's Jim Harbaugh, right? Um, Nick Saban, um, you know, Dabo Sweeney. I mean, that's Clemson, right? In the NFL, it's a player's league. It's about the players. I'm sorry. No one, no one pays a ticket to go watch a guy coach, as Belichick is the best that ever lived, right? And yet we don't go watch Bill. You know, they went to watch Brady play, okay? Um, and... 
you know, I, and I give them all the credit in the world. There's so much coverage on the NFL that by the time Urban Meyer says something in a meeting, okay, the text messages go out. Before he can walk back to his office, there is something on the Internet about what he has just said. Surely that's true in press conferences, but now it's starting to leak out when you have you know, discord in the locker room. Obviously, there's some coaches that have been called out by him, and they have leaked as well. Um, you know, it, it's that's just – it was shocking. I mean, remember talking to um, Greg Schiano about that. He said the hardest thing for him, he goes, I had no – now, Greg, granted, was coming from Rutgers where they didn't get a lot of coverage anyway, but he had been in college football. He knew college football. He knew what that landscape was like. He said, when I got to the NFL, man, I had no idea how many – you know, media mediums cover the NFL and how everything is magnified. Everything you say, um, you know, what you tell your players, what you do at practice. And I think that that spotlight, you know, and urban Meyer has been in plenty of big spotlights, right? That shouldn't bother him, but it's just different, man. It's a, you know, these are professionals. These are grown men and trying to talk to grown men like they're college players does not work. It does not freaking work. All they want, is give me something that will help me play longer, play better, feed my family, make more money, win, okay? Uh, And winning is usually in there somewhere, but it isn't always the first thing. So, you know, it's I just think it's an adjustment for him. Now, will he make it? Will he be like a lot of college coaches that just flame out? I mean, look, Steve Spurrier didn't get it done in Washington. Steve Spurrier is one of the greatest coaches that ever lived. You know, at, at Florida, look what he did. Um, even when he was with the Tampa Bay Bandits, if you want to go back to USFL, Duke, he was great. In the NFL, not so great, you know, less than not so great. So it, it, I think he's going to get more than one year. I don't think I don't think it's at the crisis mode. He, he may have to change some staff members. Obviously, he's got guys that don't like him and are leaking to the media and talking, and that, that that's a problem. Um, that's how you get unemployed. But I think you give them another year to try to figure it out. And, and, and they're a bad football team to boot. You know, I mean, there's a reason why they had the number one pick in the draft. Okay. Uh, and that's unfortunate that a guy like Trevor Lawrence is going to go play with a team that has no offensive linemen, very few weapons on that side of the ball. Um, you know, you fall behind the defense. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, I've been there. I've covered that. You know, they had five coaches in 10 years here in Tampa Bay. I've been there. Every time you change coaches or you change quarterbacks, you're starting over. And starting over is where a lot of these teams stay. You know, it's just a, it's an endless cycle. Um, and you've got to find a way to break it. But I don't think you break it by changing the coach every year. And, you know, we know Urban Meyer's had success. I think you've got to let him adjust in the NFL game. He's just had far too many press conferences about talking about what he has done. Right? Well, in college football, that's what, that's what it is. It's about the head coach. He needs to make it about the players. And he needs to make it about winning and, and all those things, you know, that, that he's here to do and less about himself. So if he figures that out, they'll be okay. But I, I just don't see – I don't see him paying Urban Meyer that much money that he's probably guaranteed him in his contract to coach one season, you know, in Jackson. I don't see it. All right, Craig in Vegas tweeted us. In MLB negotiations now with the lockout, there is talk of a floor for teams. How much will that help or hurt the Rays? To me, you need a floor for teams that get new stadiums than tank like the Marlins and Pirates did. But will a floor throw off Stu's operating model? 
I think John Romano wrote about this. I think this is the most dangerous thing, you know, uh, one of the most dangerous things for the race is that they're able to control their bottom line. They're, you know, they don't have minimum anything, right? So they can beat big, big market teams because they can do it with younger uh, players that haven't reached arbitration yet, um, that haven't, you know, gotten to the point where you know they have to pay him huge salaries if if the if the timetable of that changes if those clocks get sped up to where you get to free agency faster which is what i think the players want that's going to affect the raise more than anything about this new cba that and the and, and then the minimum you know salary requirements um so i i think it will be problematic i i, I know they're all waiting to see how this eventually winds up but I think the new system, however it is, will probably take a dent out of now the Rays. The one thing the Rays do better than anybody, which is why they're able to win, is they identify and develop prospects better than anybody. They have mm-hmm. the best minor league organization. They're constantly, um, you know, finding players that other teams don't want and aren't expensive, and making it work for them to do. Okay, you know, just throw these two pitches, you know, mm-hmm. or. Uh, you know that sort of thing. So that will always be there because they're just better than everybody at it. And I don't think that part will change because that's a lot of the strength of their of their teams. But also, when you have young stars that are going to make it to free agency faster, if they change that clock, that's going to have an impact on them. Well, and, and uh, something to note too that you never hear talked about because it doesn't fit a narrative. Do you realize there were four teams that spent less money than the Rays last year on payroll? No, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But isn't that something? And not even close. I mean, the Orioles were almost, you know, what, 60% of what the race spent. Yeah. The Marlins, Pirates, and the Indians were the other three teams that yeah. spent the a Cleveland lot less. The Indians, than, yeah. 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 Now, they're in the middle of a rebuild, and that's part of it. But, you know, a floor, is it going to help or hurt the race? I think it depends on what the floor is. depends on what the rev share is. Yeah. Um, look, the Rays are going to be good for years to come. Because their farm system is loaded, you know. Not only did they get a hundred wins and win the AL East, and you know, make the playoffs for the third straight year this year. Their five minor league teams, four of them finished with the best record in their league, and the fifth one was one game out. They've won championships at, at, at all their levels of the minor leagues, are in the playoffs and play. I mean, that's how they built this team. I mean, when when it started with the Jake Bowers and the Willie Adamases and those guys getting called up they had won at every level along the minor leagues the the rays not only are they developing players evaluating drafting trading developing but they're teaching them how to win along the way too and that's all part of the Rays' success is that when the players get to the big leagues they've been in playoff games they've been in big situations sure it's not the major leagues but it's you know they're not sitting there in the minors on a team that's you know 15 games below 500 struggling their players are winning at all levels right now in the minors. And, and, and part of it is because they got really good players and they got really good development, but they're also teaching the players how to become big leaguers in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, they're just better. They're just better as an organization. I mean, I think they don't get enough credit for that. I mean, I think, you know, everybody kind of you know dwells on the economics of it, and that's great, but, you know, they're beating you because they, they, they find, they identify, and develop players better than anybody. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. Um, so... I don't know how that's going to change, right? But but if you do develop and de- uh, identify and develop a player that reaches free agency faster than he normally would, that will change it, mm-hmm. you know? 
You won't be able to hang on to some of these guys as long, perhaps. And again, we don't know what Stu Star. I mean, Stu Sturberg is now trying to you know have franchises in two cities, and and that would you know would obviously increase his revenue, you know, twofold. And and you know whether that plan works or not, we'll see. But presumably, they could compete with free agency in that scenario, and that's the whole goal of it. So. Well, if you look at Wander Franco's contract too, I mean, how it's backloaded yeah. starting in twenty five twenty six yeah. as you're getting closer to the new stadiums. You're not Smart. paying the money now. It's, you know, look, yeah. your hope is to have at least one, if not two stadiums come 2028 yep. and, and expect your payrolls to go up at that point. And, and Wander Franco's contract is structured that way to kind of fit that model. So, you know, the one thing I do know about, you know, Stu and Eric Neander and, and the whole baseball ops, whatever, whatever the system is, they're going to figure out a way to maximize it. Whatever baseball throws at them, whether it's a salary floor, if there's salary caps, if there's whatever it is, players become free agents earlier, later, the Rays will figure out how to maximize that mm-hmm. and, and probably do it better than anyone else in baseball. Totally agree. I always say this. Um, make the rules as hard as you want to. The cream's going to rise. The, best, the, smartest, the smartest and the best are going to win. That's just the way it works in, in pro sports, you know? Um, and... <laughs> It, it certainly it's easy if you got the money to go buy players, you know, but sometimes if that were the case, the Yankees would have won a lot more world series and the Red Sox would win a lot more world series. Right. So if it was just about economics mm-hmm. um, and they don't, you know, the Rays have won the AL East, what, two years in a row. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, from that standpoint, it, it, there's more to it. And if there's more to it, the Rays have that it. Uh, and I, and I think, you know, to your point, I think the best will find a way. It's kind of like water, right? <laughs> water, if you dump it on something, it won't be contained. It will find its way through it, um, whether it's through your hand or through the wood. It's going to find its way. I think that's that, that's like the Rays. They they just they're better. And whatever that special sauce is, or, or you know, the guys that Stu Stu has hired. I mean, and how many of them have gone on? You know, in that organization to be GMs of other teams, and how many are managers, and how many you know. Baseball knows. It's not a secret in baseball how smart they are because they, they keep hiring them, mm-hmm. you know, to, 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 to take that knowledge and take that recipe to, to their franchises. So they'll be okay. All right, we had two stadium questions, so I'll read them real quick. Jay had said, I struggle to see why the city of Tampa would be willing to use taxpayer money on a stadium that will be used a half a season. The Rays made their intentions clear that the fans – uh, on, to their fans that they're moving from Tampa Bay. And Brantley had added, why if the Rays can now pay for half of a stadium in Tampa could they have not have paid years ago? And if they can work out a stadium deal in Tampa, why split the year? Greed? Well, I, I do think they like this idea of, of having TV contracts and making money in two cities. I do. I, I think they they feel like it's not sustainable or if it is sustainable it's it, it's not a money making proposition here in Tampa Bay I think they've made that decision um and you know whether they're right about that or not it doesn't matter because it's their franchise and this is the the plan that they've gone down the road I do question how much taxpayer money how much a, a city uh will you know pay to 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 keep a team for half a year now you know is can that stadium be used um for something else you know, after they leave and go to Montreal or wherever, you know, well, presumably the Rowdies would play there a full season. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's, there's going to be, it's going to be mixed use. There's going to be something in that, in that building. So maybe that 
you know, and, and I've never understood like, okay, what, what's it worth? You know, what are we talking about here? Most of the time, these, these stadiums are built with the help of developers. You know, you have parcels of land and if the city owns them, that's one thing. Um, if a developer owns them and wants to, you know, go into it and realize that, you know, as soon as that stadium is built, um, I've got, you know, my property value is going to go up. Uh, I've got this other land where I'm going to develop condos or housing. They did that in Atlanta with their new stadium. That place wasn't much at all until the, the Braves said, I'm going to build this here. And then all around it, you know, same thing in San Francisco was on an abandoned wharf. You know, um, that park down there uh, on the water. And, you know, there was nothing around there. And then all of a sudden, it's one of the most, one of the most expensive addresses in, in the Bay Area uh, around that ballpark. So developers made their money. They gave the land. They, you know, they invited the stadium. They became partners uh, in the development of that. For a city to do it just with taxpayer money, I think it's still, I still think it's a hard sell. And I don't know why. Uh, if I if I were a voter, you know that that would be something I'd want my my elected officials doing, um, which is basically supplying, and and that's just the way it's done. You know, what do you think is going on at Raymond James? I mean, you know, the 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 Glazers take take dollars out of every event that's there. I mean, they have sweetheart deals. Now they've they've invested their own money to upgrade that thing. They've put in 160 million dollars so that you could attract things like a Super Bowl last year. Uh, you know, and how much money would that have a pump? And last year was an anomaly with COVID, but we've had other Super Bowls in Raymond James, and you know that that's worth billions of you know millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to to the Tampa Bay area and the hotels and the restaurants and people that you know work and and live here. So, you know, all that's in the calculus. It's just I think it's a hard sell. I'm I'm hopeful, and I don't know that this will happen, but I'm hopeful that if if the city of Tampa is serious or Hillsborough County about building the Rays a stadium that those talks mature to, you know what, let's just, let's just build one here. You know, let's just play all our games here. Um, we don't need Montreal or we're not going to do it. If you're still going to Montreal, I, I don't know. I don't know how they'll get there to that point. Um, you know, it's uh, the big difference between, and I don't know what kind of prices they're talking. They're talking about five hundred million or a billion, you know, or eight is going to, you know, what is the difference between a, a stadium that will be fine for half the season but not fine for a full season, you know? And can you get two cities, one in Montreal and one here, to actually do it, buy into that, you know? Because you can't, you're not just building one ballpark. We need two. Well, I haven't seen them build one yet, so uh, I'm I I still have to see it to believe it I, I i think it's gonna be tough for the race i don't i don't know that this plan is gonna go but they're you know certainly going down that road and they're not they're not veering off yet so i would agree with the writer uh, the questioner though all right we'll end on this and i'll help you with this question but uh, tommy yes, leveron had please. tweeted us what roster moves will the lightning have to make when nikita kucherov and brayden point return does anyone need to go down to syracuse and currently the roster sits at 26 players for the lightning that includes Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and Eric Chernak, and Jamel Smith, who are all hurt right now. Uh, you can carry 23 players. So essentially, I think they have 23, because I don't think Chernak's been designated for IR yet. The other three are on injured reserve. Okay. So when Chernak comes back, uh, they're still at 23, but Fred, Freddie Clayson probably goes back down to Syracuse. 
Uh, Jamel Smith, when he's healthy, he probably goes down to Syracuse as well. Um, and then if you got Point and Cooch, you've got you know you could also send uh, Gabriel Fortier down. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Radish or Kachuk go down. Alex Barry Brule is already in Syracuse right now. Uh, playing down there, so I think you know. Really, the only move Freddie Clayson, who's up because Chernak's been hurt, and he's going to be out till at least after Christmas. And then Gabriel Fortier is probably the other one that would go down. And you'd probably send Jamel Smith down once he's healthy. So uh, the Lightning could send more down, but they're probably with Riley Nash going to keep that roster at twenty-two or twenty-three players, which is twenty-three is the max you can carry. Well, there you have it. That's answered one hundred percent correctly. So. Uh, did you clear things up for you? And that's Look, barring any what, injuries in the in the interim too. So, it does, I don't think that's the problem. You know, who goes down is interesting, but but not a problem, right? Well, if you're getting Braden Point and, and those guys back. Well, I mean, per, per, well, but early in the year, if you'd have said, "Hey, Taylor Radish or Bro- Boris Kachuk going down," no problem. Yeah, but they have to clear yeah, waivers. Now, right now, right, those right. guys would probably be claimed. Yes, because so, they, they put it on the ice now. Yeah, now. so there is a. I mean, you know, if you're going to send Taylor Radish down, you're probably going to lose him. Right. Yeah. Boris, no, there's Boris definitely Kuchuk, a, you could. A, so you know, early in the mm-hmm. season, that wasn't a concern. The way they've right. played, it is a concern at this point. So sure. Yeah, you want to protect as many of your good guys as you can, but still, look forward to the day that the Lightning are doing what they're doing now, and then they add Braden Point and they add Nikita Kucherov. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy how good they're going to be and. They've had a great year so far. There's no doubt about that. All right, so we'll uh, we'll be back out at, at One Buck Place, of course, getting uh, ready for the Bucks to play the New Orleans Saints on Sunday, a chance to uh, hat and T-shirt game, as Bruce Arian calls it, a uh, chance to wrap up the division with a win, any win between now and the end of the season. They will wrap up the NFC South, but what, what better team to do it against than New Orleans, which has beaten them with every quarterback not named me. Um, I think a tie would clinch the division too, wouldn't it? A tie would do it as well. Or mm-hmm. yeah, or if yeah, because the Falcons beat the Panthers. Yeah, I think a tie would do it as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the most wins, uh, you know, I think New Orleans can get to is what ten, something like that. Um, yeah. So any, but I'm any, saying the Falcons kind of, are tied with the the Saints as well. Back, so I was trying to make yeah, sure they, they couldn't pass. But the Bucks have beaten the Falcons twice, right, so right. that wouldn't matter. Yeah, uh, they're in a worse position than the Saints, who have beaten the Bucks once. So yeah. It's uh, it's it's an inevitability, but it would be much much better for for Tampa to um, go ahead and wrap that up. And what better team to do it against than the team that you have lost six consecutive games in the regular season to? It's unbelievable. The last game that the Bucks beat the Saints in the regular season, Ryan Fitzpatrick went in New Orleans on opening day with Jameis Winston suspended and bombed them forty eight to forty. That was which is about as improbable of a victory as I've seen in the Fitz last magic, three years. Baby. Fitz magic was was unbelievable. Though that was a ride and a half for about four weeks, yep. and then it ended. Um, but yeah, that was that was the last time, and they damn near blew that one. But um, yeah, I mean the Saints just have had these guys' numbers. Sean Payton is a tremendous coach. It doesn't does, he's beaten them with um, you know everyone from Drew Brees to mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, uh, Jameis Winston. You know, well, um, and if you remember so. a year ago on Sunday night, the Saints came into Tampa Bay and what, four straight drives and, and early in the second yeah. quarter. It was 28 nothing and the Bucks had four, three yeah. outs and it was over. <laughs> yeah. Thirty four to three, man. Yeah. Worst, worst uh, defeat in Tom Brady, uh, Tom Brady history in Tampa Bay. Um, 
so that could happen again, and they, they certainly don't want it to. They need some revenge. They got to get some revenge, and even though they got the ultimate revenge, right, by going and, and beating them in the playoffs and mm-hmm. winning the Super Bowl, still there's 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 a little bit of salt in that wound for the Bucks. They want to they want to check that box too, and that's what it's all about with Brady and those guys finding, you know, another reason to uh, to get pissed off and and go beat a team up, and and that's what that's what they plan on doing against the Saints. But they got Alvin Kamara back, so that certainly helps them. All right, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stout of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 